Hello and welcome to another episode of Preview Review, the movie trailer podcast. My name is Tyler, and I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. And I'm Ryan. Oh, there he is. Okay. I don't, he's not here with me because as you know, we're going through a pandemic. So I'm here with my so co-host. I, I'm the there with you in technology. spirit. I'm there with you in spirit, Tyler. Well, yes. In spirit. I'm astral projecting so like Dr. Strange. <laughs> Ryan's astral projecting into my apartment to record an episode of the podcast where That's we don't all... have to break social distancing. Yes, this is all I've studied for in my many years of training at the Mystic Arts Academy. Wow. I'm really glad it came in handy in this one and only instance. I know. I'll never astral project after this again. It's too bad it will never be useful for any other purpose. No, it's actually kind of a like lame thing to do. It's kind of looked <laughs> down upon as like a nerdy thing in the astral mm. community. Oh, in the Mystic Arts community? <laughs> yes. Wow, must get rid of toxic and community. Exactly. But <laughs> this one point in time, it's okay. Uh, I but see, only okay. this once. If you do it more than once, you're kind of a dick. It's looked down upon unless it's used for podcast recording. Exactly. Podcast recording, highest thing you it's can do. It's not considered like, nerdy at all. In the Mr. Oaks community, afraid. podcasting is the most respected thing, and astral projecting is, like, totally ignored. It's, it's bullshit. Don't astral project unless <laughs> you need to... Do the best thing you could ever do with your life, record a podcast. Wow. Anyways, this is a podcast that's not about astral projecting, and it's about movie trailers. Ryan and I love going to the movies, or at least we did before the pandemic shut them all down. I mean, I still love going to the movies. I just don't I do can't. it <laughs> And in all seriousness, we're not actually doing any magic. We're actually on Zoom, so if the audio sounds different, Blame it on the mystic arts of whoever makes Zoom. I don't know, the Chinese spies. Yeah, normally I wouldn't allow us to say Zoom on the podcast because, you know, we don't want to be, like, either praising or negging a company, like a brand, you know. We're not sponsored in any way, shape, or form. And we don't want our experiences with this brand to affect your experiences and opinions as a listener. However, everyone's fucking using Zoom right now and we all know that it can be awesome and it can also suck and so you're just going to experience the reality of that on this episode. It's awesome because it allows us to do this, to do this podcast in this way where we don't have to have Veronica and Steve and Becca back on the podcast like less of episode. I mean we'd like to have them back. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them back. No but it allows us to do it in this traditional format where it's Ryan and I on the podcast but it also has a drawbacks that we're reliant on this technology and the quality and whatever may not be as good as if we can record in our actual um, in our studio setup. Yeah, our studio. That's my living room. Um, <laughs> but with our usual setup, the quality is typically a little bit better. And so we'll just have to roll with the punches on this episode. And thanks mm -hmm. for listening. And I know you're probably only listening because you're super bored in quarantine. But we or appreciate because it. They love us. They love well, us a lot. Maybe it's both. You know, maybe it's both. That's true. Okay, we're not mentioning Zoom anymore. We're going back to the astral projecting bit. Ooh. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, which would be really weird, but, you know, maybe you're Every kicking in with what, episode 26? Podcast. I don't know. We're almost coming up on the one-year anniversary of Preview Review, which is going to be very exciting. But, we have um, things planned, but they <laughs> we only may not have happen. 26 episodes, which shows that we have not committed to the weekly release schedule that we once thought of. But it of. shows that we've done at least half of a year, like 52 divided yeah, by two. We've done like about a, a 
a, a bi-weekly podcast. Kind of. Average. We've done at least one a month. But not average. regularly. Yeah. We've done at least 26 a year averaging. Yes. At least. Yeah. Unless this episode never gets released. I don't know. Do we count the lost episode in that count? Yeah, the lost episode's counted. It always Because we jumped the numbers. Anyways, if this is your first time joining us, uh, we have an incredible amount of lore in our podcast that includes a lost yeah. episode. But and also what we do on this podcast is review movie trailers. So despite the theaters being closed, there are still movies coming out, still trailers being released for upcoming films that are releasing on streaming platforms or digitally for you to rent or purchase in your home. So we'll talk about the trailers for those movies that are coming up. Um, normally we do four per episode, but it's slowed down quite a bit because of COVID. And so on today's episode, we're only doing two trailers. Uh, we'll play a couple games and we'll just talk a little bit about what these trailers look like they have in store for the movie um, and what we're excited about, what we're maybe nervous for. And then we'll also talk about some astral projection and other random shit. So. Hopefully this is the end of our quarantine trilogy that started with Trolls, but you never know. Well, yes. The episode where we covered Trolls, we recorded not in quarantine. But no, but it was shortly after we became quarantined, so it was released during quarantine. And yes. we had to record our, our uh, preface for it. Yes. That Ooh, that was fun. I remember that. Then we had last time, not last week, but last time we released an episode. <laughs> We had uh, special guests fill in as co-hosts. Yes. Uh, my girlfriend Veronica sat in on my half of the podcast. And, and then I Marion had Bob Iger and Bob Chapek come to discuss Artemis Fowl. Oh, if you yes, believe yes. me, <laughs> go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> Who knows if I'm lying? I don't know. I'm just an astral projection. An astral projection with an audio lag. <laughs> it sounds fine on my end of the spirit world. So today we're just recording via Zoom. It's our traditional format, and let's get into it. Zoom and is not our traditional format. Well, don't like, you know, crap. we don't have the special guests or anything like that. It's just Ryan and me here taking on the world of movie trailers. Okay. but Tyler, Format, we... but not set up. Yeah. Can we do a, a throwback, Tyler? What's the throwback? Tyler, I... I... I went to the movies. I went to a drive-in. Oh, yes. We were able to go to the drive-in theaters. They're open now. The one in San Diego is. Yeah, and I I think now I can do a throwback Ryan's Review Roundup. Wow. We can finally return to our recurring segment of Ryan's Review Roundup, where Ryan tells us what he thought about a movie that we previously preview-reviewed. So, Ryan, what'd you see and what'd you think? Well... I saw Trolls World Tour on the big screen in my car, and I say it's pretty meh. Honestly, there's lots of fun colors, and I like the animation. It's high quality, but the plot of the movie leads a lot to be desired. It's a kid's movie, sure, but right after this, they played Onward, which is a much better kid's movie. So, um, I don't know. Mm, two stars. Yeah, comparing it to Onward, especially where Onward felt very, like, the plot was very intentional and laid out and, like, everything kind of made sense and built upon itself. Trolls World Tour felt like a totally, like, different acid trip, man. It was so weird. Trolls goes all over the place. Sometimes there's, like, cutouts of, like, dogs or something. And then there's, like, quick segments where people go to heaven. And then there's, like, quick jokes about, like, farting. But that happens, like, that's a recurring joke. Everyone farts out cake or something but then 
they have pregnancies that come out of their head, but then those babies don't matter, but they seem like they mattered at the time and they jump around all the time. And yeah, if this doesn't make any sense, that's how much the movie does. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like we would be looking at the screen and then something would happen and we'd be like, why is this on the screen? And then it's like, I don't know. It just just cut to that, like with no explanation or reasoning. <laughs> yeah. It was very weird. Also, they advocate for like, okay, the main point of the movie is that like Queen Poppy, like <clears throat> her arc is that she needs to listen more, but she d- saves the day by plugging her ears. <laughs> Wow. So, I don't know. Little inconsistent. Also, they advocate for putting gumdrops in your ears. Do not recommend Some kids going to get gumdrops stuck in their ears because they saw it on trolls. They're going to get like weird infections from like sugar yeah, in their ears. Lawsuit. Universal. Put your lawyer up. Well, that's Ryan's Review Roundup. Go ahead and play Ryan's Review Roundup. Wow, After thank music you. Right here. Okay, I think we left enough blank space for you to play the outro music. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciated you having Ryan's review roundup ready for us. So it was so ready. Episode. I wrote that. It was scripted. Could you tell? Yes. And now on to our opening question on today's episode, which is, of course, we are seeing some different dynamics in the film industry due to COVID and quarantine Doo-doo. and the different release schedules that are happening one of which is trolls world tour despite being only like a two-star movie according to ryan two is stars. like doing very very well financially and so the opening question is what movie that came out last year in 2019 might have actually benefited from being released during quarantine with a new release strategy um more available to folks in their homes um and might have made more money or been more uh, critically or financially successful due to quarantine? Hmm. <clears throat> yes, this is a very interesting question because a lot of movies come to mind. Like A lot of movies didn't do well at the box office last year. Maybe if they had this less traditional route of being presented, maybe they would have been more successful. Trolls is doing really well. Another movie that I think is doing really well, only because I can't stop seeing people talk about it, is Scoob. I, I see so many people online talking about this movie so at least anecdotally, Scoob is doing really well. I don't know anything about the digital numbers or anything. I'm usually into the box office, but the box office is not existent at this point in time. It's just the rental office, and I don't know those charts. Yeah, so it's also but, hard because it's like reporting that films are doing well, but they're not really getting reported to the same like forums right now. So it's kind of hard to keep track of. Trolls is in like the theaters like where Tyler and I saw it in the drive-in major studios aren't reporting their box office earnings from that so we don't know how much it makes at the drive-in so we're just guessing here that movies are doing well because that's what the studios are telling us but who knows they could be lying anyway so one movie I thought about right away when you said what movie would have benefited from COVID quarantine was a movie that was trending on Netflix the other day. I noticed it and I go, this movie? But it was only in theaters for like two weeks and it bombed. And that movie is Arctic Dogs. This movie looked horrible. It had an all-star cast of like Jeremy Renner and Alec Baldwin for some reason. But people are bored at home and they're just watching any crap that they can put their kid in front of. And I believe that Arctic Dogs could have made money if it was COVID time when it came out. 
Yeah, I totally agree. That's one of the ones that I thought of too. Um, the other one inspired kind of by troll success that I thought might be successful if it went to rental or video on demand during quarantine last year is Ugly Dolls because I think that like this kids animated jukebox musical type of movie with this cast like Kelly Clarkson, Nick Jonas, Pipples in that thing. He's like, a cat in that movie. It doesn't make sense. It might become more popular when you just all of a sudden have like your kids home all day with you and you're like, oh God, just freaking rent ugly dolls and get it on the screen so these kids will stop screaming for 90 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. So ugly dolls you was chose- like terrible on Rotten Tomatoes and financially like totally bombed. Mm-hmm. But if it was in quarantine, I think it could have actually been viable. Yeah. The movie you chose actually made some kind of money. So like there is an audience there. It shows that. But Arctic Dogs made, like, no money. Well, Arctic Dogs looked atrocious. It's true. So I believe that you actually might have the more correct answer here. Because there was at least some interest. There was, but it, don't, like, it didn't even make its money back. Like, it wasn't, like, near successful at all. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think, like, with the big names and everything, like, it would at least draw some kind of audience. Like, because mm-hmm. it, it looks exactly like the type of movie where it's like, oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, it's on streaming. Yeah, we'll put it on at home because our kids are here. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not going to like plan out family outing to go to the theaters out of my way to see that. Whereas, like, you know, like bigger kids' franchises and stuff, I think it's hard for like a breakout original concept kids' film to do that because mm-hmm. it's like kids already have an attachment to ugly dolls. But like, other franchises like Lego Movie and stuff like that, and like Trolls 2, because they already know and love Trolls from the first movie, like, it's easier for them to pull that audience because, like, the kids already have, like, the merch and stuff like that, and they, like, want to see that movie. hmm Yeah. I totally agree. Plus, bef- Trolls 1 broke out because, partially, because people knew the Trolls dolls. Yeah, and, like, parents saw that, and they're like, oh, they're, like, rebooting the thing, like, Smurfs. Which I don't mm-hmm. know how successful Smurfs was, but they made a second one, I think, so it might have done at least okay. It. There was Smurfs and then there was Smurfs two. Lost Village, right? No, that's how Smurfs I know that. three. There's three? Yes, but the third Smurfs movie isn't like hybrid live action and CG. It's just all CG. They cut out the human characters. There was live action? Oh yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is in Smurfs. He's like Alvin As himself. It. No. It's like you know, Jason Earl in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, I thought I thought Smurfs was I thought they were all all CG. Like I thought it was like the Angry Birds movies. No, 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 just the Which third. is another one. They made two of those because the kids already love the video game or the app. Oh, kids love Angry Birds. I remember when Angry Birds was like at its peak and yeah, all the kids were like child. on their mom's iPhones all playing Angry Birds. I don't know any child in the year 2020 that plays Angry Birds, but if you're out there send in a fan art of yourself. We're still and us as Angry Birds. Yes, we can be, or we can I'm the be yellow the pigs. If, I, if you want to make me the king pig, I'm okay with that. One day we'll get fan art. This is where you insert the longing music as I stare off into the middle distance. I don't have time to get us royalty-free longing music. Mm, my heart yearns for the fan art. <laughs> anyway. That's, that's one uh, successful part of us being back together not on separate halves of the podcast for this episode is all of the <laughs> old <laughs> gags are coming back. The running gags of yeah. Ryan wants fan art and Ryan wants music played during Ryan's review roundup. We just gotta wait for Ryan to do the air horn again. I don't know if you did it when you were with your dad <laughs> last time. I don't think I did, but you know, it, it has to come naturally. It's true. 
I'm sure there are yeah. some episodes. Don't want to force it. The air horn. I don't know. If it doesn't come, at least it's been mentioned. And all you air horn fanatics can. It's go gone meta. That. Now we don't actually do the air horn, but we just mention us doing the air horn. <laughs> you remember when we did the air horn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, Ryan, should we get into our discussion on the first trailer of the day? Well, yeah, but something really quick. Um, before we get into these trailers, both of these trailers are going straight to video on demand. But so that the means they're going to like, you can rent them on like video on demand on like your cable box or like Prime Video like or like what does that iTunes mean? iTunes or Google Play, anywhere you can like rent YouTube? a movie. Yeah, because YouTube and Google are the same platform. So like anywhere you can digitally rent a movie, you can pay for these movies and see them. Mm, gotcha. Not physically, because Blockbuster doesn't have the DVDs yet. And I think there's only like one Blockbuster left in the country. That's in so, Oregon, right? And it's not, not near me. So it's yeah. irrelevant. I mean, it's I don't like know where it relatively is. near you because it's in Oregon. I'm not going to go take a road trip to Oregon to be disappointed when I can't rent the high note on DVD. Okay, for one, yeah, I know we're not going to do that for high note, but two... We definitely should at some point road trip to Blockbuster in Oregon. We can do it, but <laughs> not now. We have to wait till it's not. Yeah, quarantine. after COVID time. I'm not going on a road trip through the like infested states of America. Gross. I mean, we're only passing from one state to the other. But Tyler, California is a dangerous place because people are idiots and don't social distance. Anyway. These two movies are coming to video on demand, but they're different than Trolls or Scoob because they're not kids' movies. Mm. These movies are made for like adults or like I guess families with older kids could watch them. But this isn't well, a movie. They're definitely both rated R, right? Or is I don't know what PG thirteen. I can I can look it up right now. But yeah, you're right. These are definitely geared towards an older, more mature audience. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how well these do compared to like Scoop and Trolls because they're not aimed at families. And so how much are like older people waiting for like new movies to hit rental versus like families, like I say, like where they just need something to entertain their kids and they rent Trolls or they rent Scoop, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the high note is rated PG-13. So I guess if you have like rowdy 13-year-olds who would be interested but this movie doesn't seem like it's targeted towards them at all. No. Yeah. It definitely seems like they're both like Kingston Island is a Judd Apatow. Like we'll get to it, but like, you know, a comedy movie. So that's like what mainly like whatever that 25 to 35 block of like males probably is. And then high note definitely looks like a middle age, like you're towards middle age women. Right. Cause it's kind of about being in that time of your life and like wanting more out of what people Mm -hmm. or society is like telling you about right like we'll get to the details of the trailer but you can kind of tell that they're aimed at a more mature audience Mm -hmm. and we'll get to those details of the first trailer right now the first movie we're talking about is the high note it is released on video on demand on may 29th directed by nisha gantra who recently directed late night the movie with mindy kaling mindy kaling and emma thompson yeah it was good and if you want to watch it it's on prime video um It stars Dakota Johnson, Tracy Ellis Ross, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Zoe Chow, Ice Cube, Bill Pullman, Eddie Izzard, and Diplo. So this movie looks like Tracy Ellis Ross is like an aging musician. And the studio behind her is like, hey, go do a residency in Vegas. But she's like, no, I want to make a new album. 
and they all laugh at her. But Dakota Johnson is there as like someone who works at the studio and is underappreciated and is like, I'll help you make the album. And then they team up and become a power friend couple that make an album. Do we actually see them make the album in the movie or in the trailer? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. In the trailer? I don't know. I'm just assuming they make the album. They right, but we don't them. know. We only they see could them fail. That's true. They could I'm fail. I'm just saying, then... don't say something that happens in the trailer when it doesn't happen in the trailer. That's the whole point of the podcast. I'm adding my interpretation. Mm. Well, yes. That's what people really come to the an podcast An aging for. singer, an aging black singer is being told to go to Vegas by her label or whatever, but she wants to make the album and her personal assistant is like hoping to be involved in that endeavor. Um, and I think it's really interesting because at first you, like the first thing, the first kind of like, I guess half of the trailer plays it off like it's going to be more comedic where it's like Dakota Johnson kind of like struggling with her life as a personal assistant to this like diva, right? Where she's mm-hmm. talking about like, oh, like all you do is get Kleenex and like she doesn't even know her, she doesn't even know your last name. And it's like more about her relationship with the singer. But then the second half really focuses in on the singer like talking with her and saying like she wants more out of life than like what her labels telling her to do and feeling like the industry is not setting her up for success because like only five women over 40 have made a number one single and only one of them was black and so how her as a black artist that's over 40 will have such a hard time kind of breaking through the industry and like getting to be as successful as she once was so I think it's super interesting that it turned like the trailer gives us both a dynamic look at kind of the internal like motivations of Dakota Johnson's character as well as Tracy Ellis Ross's character like very well so it gives us a good look at like how both of them are in this unique position and how they'll like come together to both kind of get what they want yeah I don't know the trailer made it seem like Tracy Ellis Ross's character is like oh poor me I'll never get like the success that I once had because I'm a black aging woman but like she's in the position where she has had great success and if you compare that to any other like black woman of her age like it's a lot better than anything they ever had (laughs) right and I don't know honestly like a lot of aging singers they stop making music or they go to Vegas so like from the studio's point of view it makes sense like right but I think that that's kind of part of it is when they look at like the boardroom from the label is like it's all white men saying like so you ready to go to Vegas and she's like no I want to make a new album and so it's this idea of like oh, is it, like, what the production and what, like, this, like, corporate team wants from her as, like, a brand? Or is it about what she wants to achieve, like, as an artist? And it's, like, the struggle between, like, artist individuality and creativity versus, Mm -hmm. like, label production and commodification, which is, like, a story that we've seen a lot in movies about the music industry. It's a very classic, like, trope, but I think Mm -hmm. it's done pretty well. And, like, the insertion of Dakota Johnson's character as, like, a young female that, like, wants to be more involved in the industry is a unique addition because normally it would be, like, she goes rogue with, like, her producer and makes the album. But, like, it's kind of cool that it's, like, this kind of newcomer that's also getting her success by attaching herself to this new project. Yes. She doesn't run off with her producer, Ice Cube. (laughs) No. Ice Cube is... Well, I don't know if Ice Cube's the villain, necessarily. I don't know. Ice Cube is, like... Yeah, the part of that group of white males that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I guess they're not all white. Ice Cube is there, (laughs) but the rest of them are all white. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I feel bad. I'm siding with the studio on this one, Tyler. If I, I don't know. 
Paul McCartney keeps putting out new albums, but I don't listen to them. I would much rather go see a Paul McCartney show in Vegas than listen to a new Paul McCartney album. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Maybe the studio knows what they're talking about. I don't think you should watch this movie then, because I think you'll be disappointed with the ending. I'm just, you know, capitalist corporate America personified over here. The movie looks sweet and a fine time, but it doesn't look like it's worth renting to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's like super interesting because it's like there's this weird gap where like I would probably go to pay see it to go to the theater and watch it, but I'm not going to pay to watch it at home. But I feel yeah. like most of America is like on the like I saw a thing recently that was like 70% of Americans are like now more interested in getting new releases like in their home of movies versus the theater. And I'm like firmly in that other 30% where I'm like, I'll never watch, like, not never, but like, I'd be vastly unlikely to watch a new movie by renting it in my home than like going to the theater and watching it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am a firm believer that the theatrical experience is something that I want to stay around and that I like. Plus on demand where I have to pay 20 bucks for each new release, but I paid like 20 bucks a month to see three movies a week for AMC A-List. So this is a way worse deal for me. Yeah, the movie subscription like platform has really changed the way that we perceive that too as well. Especially us too personally, because we would go to the movies sometimes like, you know, nine times a month. Yeah, well, I feel like almost anybody that was a subscriber of like A-List or the Regal like subscription Whatever platform that Regal thing was. would definitely like be in that camp where it's a worse deal to like rent a movie in their home and like just want to be able to go watch movies because everyone's been able to see more movies than they normally would based on that platform. And this would be a movie that I would use to see my A-list to go see, but I don't think it's a movie that I would, you know, pay up front for. Yeah, that's true. But I like the cast. I think Tracy Ellis Ross and Dakota Johnson both seem like they're going to give great performances. I like seeing Dakota Johnson being a little bit more comedic in her role. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Tracy Ellis Ross is a great actress. I think she's one of the best parts of Blackish on ABC. And um, I think it's fun for her to have this role because her mom is Diana Ross. And so it's kind of fun for her to be in that like almost like homage, like tribute role to like her mom as like an aging like diva singer uh, to be like portraying mm-hmm. this role in this movie. Yeah. I also like the end joke where they tried to go to a taco truck, but they tried to make it a drive through yeah, I like it's a funny joke, but I thought it was very kind of like shoehorned in because I didn't think that like part of this movie based on the rest of the trailer would be like, let's get like Tracy Ellis Ross like into more of like what normal life is like, you know, because that's like another trope that's in mm-hmm. movies where it's like, let's make the celebrity like experience like normal people things. And I didn't expect that to be a part of this movie, but then like the end tag of the trailer was exactly that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> They're going to try and like have that little montage yeah. B-plot. I don't know. I'm into it. That, that part of the movie seems fun to me. So in your ideal movie, it would be like, she is, oh, well, is me and doesn't want to go to Vegas. And then it would just be a huge montage of her doing normal people things. And then she would just say, I'm ready to go to Vegas. <laughs> and then you would go to the Vegas show. No, no, no. In my ideal movie, she's never sad about going to Vegas. She's excited about it. But before she goes to Vegas, she wants to try to see her city through the eyes of like a normal person. Wow. Incredible. She does it. The whole time I've been in LA, I wanted, I've always been a star. I've never gotten to experience it as like a normal person. Exactly. And then throughout that time, she's able to like write a song that she premieres at her Vegas show. 
Oh, and it goes to number one, best of both worlds. Exactly. Wow. We should write a screenplay. I mean, it's just a ripoff of this movie, but okay. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, this like feels like it's been made. Like several portions of this movie has been have been made before. This is just like a random assembly of like other movie, like music industry movie plot lines. Mm-hmm. Also, something interesting is the director. Her last film was about like an aging female like late night host that was struggling and oh, now it's about yeah. an aging female singer that is struggling so Interesting. She, she connects with the aging working woman yeah that's true her next film is going to be all about the aging movie star director lady oh it's a biopic about herself wow gone meta exactly that's where you gotta go that's the only place you can go next you've done television and you've done music so you got to do movies yeah that's true and you you got to write what you know and she knows directing mm-hmm. or maybe it'll be about an aging film writer that will oh. only write about aging artists <laughs> wow it's super that's meta but yeah as i said there's been tons of movies made about like the music industry and i think like movies about music and other artistry are like very popular and so ryan that is a part of our first game on today's episode whoa there are several movies about both real bands and musical artists like biopics and things you know rocket man came out last Ooh, year i like uh, rocket man. rhapsody mm, i enjoy um, Bohemian rhapsody rocket man's better but there's like also the lots of movies that involve like fictional made-up bands or artists singer-songwriters people like that and so i want to see how well you know the universe of fictional singer-songwriters and musical groups from the movies so here's how this game works i have the names of fictional artists musical artists whether they're a group or an individual and also who played them and what movie they're in so okay i'm gonna just read you the name of the artist okay you can stop me right there and give me both the actor or actress or actor and actresses that are in that group and the movie and you'll get two points or you can get the actor and actresses as a hint and just give me the movie for one point. Okay, okay. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't know how well I'll do on the actors and actresses part, but I think I can do well on the movie part. Yeah, and you don't have to. That's for an extra, that's for extra credit, so you can stop me. But extra if you need... For nerds, like astral projecting. <laughs> but if you need the actor or actress, I will give you them, and then you can just name the movie. Okay. Okay. I understand, and I'm ready to play. All right. And if it's a group, I'll just give you one of the actors or actresses, not all of them. Okay. That's an important note. So like if it's the Beatles, you'll only give me John Lennon. Yeah. Okay. But it would be an actor. I don't know if who's played the Beatles. Well, also it would be a fictional band. Yes. That was just an example. So I don't know how to like, okay, this is one that's not on there because I used it in our example when I told you about this game. This is a peek behind the curtain. But you know, like Sex Bob Oms from from Scott Pilgrim Scott versus, Pilgrim the, versus the World. I would like just say Michael Sarah or Allison Pill. But like I wouldn't give you like Michael Sarah, Allison Pill, and whoever the other guy is. I don't know his name. Uh his character's name is Steven Stills. I know who the character's name, I just don't know the actor's name. I don't either. Well then that wasn't helpful for the example, then was it? I don't know. I just want to show off my Scott Pilgrim knowledge. (laughs) Okay. Well, here we go. 
the first fictional musical artist is Jack Malik. Oh, I know Jack Malik. I don't know the actor's name, so I'm not going to get that point. But he's in Yesterday. Yeah, he is Yesterday, but you don't get an extra credit point because it's played by a man named Himesh Patel. Oh, I know that now that you say you it. You could have known it. Yeah, you just should have thought a little harder. You were too arrogant to just get the answer quickly, and you should have thought. I don't know. Extra credits for nerds. All right. The next musical group are two singers named Paolo and Isabella. Oh, it's um, Hilary Duff. Yes, Hilary Duff is in the group. Do I have to know Paolo's name? No, it's okay. It's okay. not going to give you one for the hint. You only have to name one, I guess. Okay. Uh, from the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yes, that's correct. You now have three points. Yeah, All right. but Isabella's not really Lizzie McGuire. That's the doppelganger. No, but Hilary Duff plays both of them. That's true. So it's still Hilary Duff. Yes, but she has like different... But she does that atrocious Italian accent. I mean, sing to me, Paolo. <laughs> All right, the next fictional musical artist is Rachel Marin. Rachel Marin? I don't know if I know this one. Okay, Rachel Marin. Is she married to Mark Marin? Is she like a comedy singer? No, and that wouldn't make sense because Mark Marin's a real person and not a fictional character. But maybe like she's a fictional character that's married to a real person in the movie. I don't know. Do you really think they made that movie? They made a movie about Mark <laughs> Marin's fake wife that's also a singer. Is well, that Mark, really what your thought is? At this point in time, it's all I got. <laughs> Well, I can give you the name of the actress that plays yeah. Rachel. Yeah, give me a hint. It's Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston? Wow, this know. is revealing Ryan's lack of knowledge of early 90s movies because <laughs> this movie was so huge. It's The Bodyguard, the movie that made I Will Always Love You famous. The Bodyguard? I don't know what that With movie Kevin is. Kevin Costner? Uh, the bo- the only bodyguard thing I know is the Netflix show. No, it's a movie called The Bodyguard, and it's a movie with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner, and it's not a good movie, but it's the movie that Whitney Houston sings, and I Will Always Love You in, and it's like a huge thing. Well, I know that song, but I didn't know it was from a movie. Did you know that it's really Dolly Parton's song originally? I think I've heard Dolly Parton sing it, but I've always assumed she Yeah, was- she wrote it and sang it first, and then Whitney Houston's is the cover. Wow. Well, Whitney did it better. Sorry, Dolly. Mm debatable anyways next this is a group and the group's name changes during the movie so i'll give you both they start off as the dreamettes but they become the dreams oh is this this sounds like that movie with eddie murphy hmm eddie murphy is in this movie okay i haven't seen this movie but i've seen the trailers and it's like during like a war time right i don't know and I don't, I definitely don't know anyone who's in the band. And I can see like the font they use for this movie, but I can't see what words the font is making. It's a, uh, I'm going to go with the, the movie's called The Dreamers. Ooh, close. This movie's called Dream Girls. Ooh, I knew it. It's about like a rising Motown girl group yeah. that's like kind of based on the Supremes. Uh-huh. But there are, three members two of them are jennifer hudson and beyonce i don't know who the third one is I don't i'm know. sorry i've never seen that movie it's a good movie i've heard it's a good movie it's part of my blind spots mm. i would say it kind of falls into a similar category as the bodyguard so it makes sense that you didn't know either of them yes my blind spots okay i haven't been keeping score but you didn't do good on either of those so you still have three points i think 
whatever. I'm winning in my head. We have two more to go. This next fictional musical artist's name is Aldous Snow. Aldous Snow? Mm-hmm. Who names their kid Aldous? The Huxley? No one. This is a fictional character. They're named after Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World. Mm-hmm. And then they also have Snow, so they're a fan of Edward Snowden, the whistleblower. So who wrote the movie where the guy is named after Aldous Huxley and Edward Snowden, and then turned him into a musician? Um, I, I have no clue. I need a hint, please. All right. The actor that plays Aldous Snow is Russell Brand. Russell Brand? Oh, is this um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? It is, and get him to the Greek. This is yeah. the one case in which this character's in two movies. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, he's like kind of a side character, and then he gets his own movie with Jonah Hill and get him to the Greek. Well, this, I don't know. I would never associate Russell Brand with Aldous Huxley or Edward Snowden until today. Wow. I and I'll never forget Snowden the Holy either. Trinity. Yeah. Russell Brand, Aldous Huxley, and Edward Snowden. Those are the three people in this world that I aspire to be the most like and also the least like at the same time. Wow. And you'll never tell which qualities of which ones you want nope. to be. It's nebulous. Which ones are undesirable. <laughs> All right. The final fictional musical artist. You got one point for that, so you're at four points right now. Okay, okay. The band's name is Pink Slip. Oh, I know this band. I've definitely heard this band in a movie before. But I don't remember. That's interesting that this one seems to be one that you recognize the most because I literally didn't even recognize that this was the name of the band until I Googled it. Like, I even when I Googled it, like, it didn't seem familiar to me. I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's the name. So that's interesting that you think it's, like, so familiar. Is this... Uh, okay, I have an idea, but I don't want to, like, say it because I'm not 100% positive, so I'm going to go with the hint. Okay, the one of the, the like, main member of this band in the movie is played by Lindsay Lohan. Oh, okay, I'm glad I didn't go with my hint then. What was your, what was your initial thought? I thought it was, like, Jack Black's character from School of Rock before he started the School of Rock. Oh, that would be a good guess. I looked that up, actually, but I didn't think of his, to use his original band. I just looked up, I just, like, tried to figure out what the name of the school band was, and it's it was just the, the School, school of, of Rock, Rock yeah. so, yeah, it wasn't good no. for this game. Okay, Pink Slip with Lindsay Lohan is from Freaky Friday. Yes, it is from Freaky Friday. Good That's job. obvious. Literally, the only thing that I think, I like, I don't know that it's actually mentioned in the movie, because I can't think about it. I've seen that movie a ton, and I can't remember if it's mentioned in the movie, but I do realize that, like, in one of the scenes where Lindsay Lohan plays with her band, she's wearing, like, a pink slip dress, like, a dress with a slip in it, and it's pink. And I can't help but wonder if the like they just saw that in post and were like, "That's the name of the band, Pink I'm Slip." Sure there we go. Not, I think they mentioned the name of the band because I think they at least have like a Pink Slip sticker on one of the guitars or something. Oh, maybe. But I still think the dress had something to do with it. Like they did the wardrobe and then they named the band after that or something. It just makes sense, you know. They CGI'd the sticker onto the guitar. <laughs> it was all done in post. And then they ADR'd like, her voice. This it, is my band, Pink Slip. It doubled the <laughs> the production cost. To get that yes Stick just for our game wow i feel honored thank you disney well done ryan you got five points out of technically six but a potential 12 so you did kind of good but also bad well i mean i'm almost at 100 percent, but i could have had 200 percent. is what you're yes, saying yes exactly so you did well because it's a five 
out of six, but you had the potential to earn 12. So, But six of those points are astral projection points that are lame. <laughs> they're real points. No, they're fake extra credit points. Okay, well, whatever. Even though I used some of the fake extra credit points to get to five out of six. They're the still other lame? Six... You want me to dock your fake points? Mm, no, I think we should just move on. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. The next trailer we're discussing on today's episode is The King of Staten Island. This movie is being released on video on demand on June 12th. And it's directed by Judd Apatow. You know him from projects like Trainwreck, Knocked Up, and The 40-Year-Old Virgin. It stars Pete Davidson, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, Maude Apatow, Judd's daughter, Steve Buscemi, Pamela Alden, and Moises Arias, who I think you just put on this Google Doc because he's in Hannah Montana. I put him on the Google Doc because he's in five feet apart. Is he a name like recognition? Well, Moises I mean, I only put Diplo on the Google Doc because I thought it was interesting, just like Moises Arias is interesting. Ooh, Rico. We never talked about Diplo in the Hilo, and now we never will. So this movie basically uh, is like uh, Judd Apatow comedy. So it's a little raunchy, but it's also like kind of heartfelt and like has sincerity to it. Um, it's about Pete Davidson, who is like a young man, like Pete Davidson's age, but he's like a slacker. He still lives at home with his mom. His dad was a firefighter that's passed away. And now his mom is dating a new guy who's also a firefighter. And it's about him like kind of building a relationship with that man and his family and like kind of figuring out like what's going on with his life. And it looks super interesting. Um, the comedy seems pretty funny. Like there's some like just silly physical comedy where he's like at the fire station with his mom's boyfriend there's some funny comedy between like the relationship that he has with the like i guess stepdad's daughter who's like younger in elementary school age so he's like got an interesting relationship with her but also the sincerity seems really great and like the conversations that he has with his mom and with the new like her new boyfriend about losing his dad and feeling like screwed up because he doesn't have that father figure in his life like seems very emotional and seems like P. Davidson is delivering from a really heartfelt place. Um, so I'm really kind of excited for this and I think it's a good role for him. And I think it'll challenge him and help to grow himself as an actor, not just with the young millennial like comedy shtick that he does on SNL every week. Well, an interesting thing about this is like, it's called the King of Staten Island because they live in Staten Island, which is where Pete Davidson really lives. And his dad also was a firefighter that died in a fire. So it's like somewhat like, his own story but like mm. if it was like fictionalized and tweaked and like dramatized and yeah. like, he didn't get into comedy like if this was his life yeah and he's not like an aspiring comedian what does he want to be he wants tattoo to be artist tattoo artist that's right yes which i think is still kind of like it's like not a direct adaptation but it's like one-to-one like he wants to have a creative outlet but he's like still working on developing that. So it's like kind of like, I think it's very much inspired by Pete Davidson's real life experience. Oh, I totally agree. And, and I think it's also going to be a little bit like this kind of ode to Staten Island's location. Like I'm sure they filmed it in Staten Island. And I think like a lot of cinematography and stuff will kind of have it be like relating to the physical environment, much like Lady Bird, which like, you know, took place in Sacramento and Greta Gerwig is, like, from Sacramento, and so a lot of, like, physical location stuff was kind of an homage to, like, her childhood in that mm -hmm. place, and so I think this will be similar to where, like, it takes place in Staten Island, and, like, the cinematography and the visuals of the movie will, like, kind of pay tribute to 
Staten Island as a place as well. Yeah. Um, this is interesting because it seems like a coming of age story, but like usually coming of age stories are for like, you know, they star people in high school, but this stars like a 24 year old coming of age. So it's like a arrested development coming of age story, which yeah, like exactly. something it's like interesting. It's like the slacker young adult, like finally having inspiration to like move forward in their life because of like a traumatic setback, which again, like feels familiar much like the high note, but it, this is also like kind of a new spin and a new take on it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Tyler, and I think like when, and when I say like, cause this is something I feel like I say often when I say that movies like remind me of things that have been done in other movies, that's not always necessarily a bad thing. Cause I think one of the things that makes movies successful is they relate to real life situations. And so I think that they like, one of the ways that movies connect with us is by being relatable and familiar because like, we're also supposed to be able to like, understand what a character is going through or what their struggle is and so i don't think that just because it feels familiar is a bad thing necessarily i think that it can also help it feel like very sincere and very familiar and relatable to the audience which i think is the case for like this movie plus if movies didn't feel like other movies like then we'd never grow like everyone steals from everyone and just changes it and makes it their own yeah, it makes sense not only on the artistic, like, production side of a movie, because, like, of course, directors are inspired by other movies and writers are inspired by other writers, right? But it also is helpful for the audience, too, to, like, have some sort of familiarity and, like, recognition of, like, the main themes and plots of a film. Exactly. Sorry, I had a point, but I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, since this is a comedy movie, Ryan, we can go back to another guy that we do, which is to oh. figure out what our favorite joke is in the, in the trailer. This is what I was going to say, but then forgot that I was going to say it. So now you have to leave in a little bit of what I just said for this gag to make sense. Um, Yeah, Tyler, my favorite joke of the trailer, I'm going to go first because I'm selfish, um, was when they're all in the bar and they're all singing together. I thought that was funny. One headlight. Yes, when they're all singing one headlight (laughs) We were watching this trailer. We watched it together on this Zoom call. I screen shared and we watched the trailer. And then when the song started playing in the background, I I was like, why are they playing one headlight? This song is so old. But then it like mattered in the context of the trailer and it was funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. That's my favorite joke in the trailer. When they all sing one headlight. I have two favorite jokes um, in the trailer. One is when he's like dropping the new stepdad or the, the mom's boyfriend or whatever, her daughter off at school. And she's like a young elementary schooler. And so when like this weird, like lanky tattooed dude, like brings in this young girl into the entry school classroom, of course, like the teacher's like kind of confused and like weirded out. And so she's like asking the kid like, hey, like who is this that's bringing you in? Like, are you okay? Like if you, if something's wrong, you can tell me. And the little girl's like looking at her teacher and saying like, oh, he's just a new friend. And like the teacher makes eye contact with Pete Davidson and he he goes, oh, I conditioned her in the car. She's not going to break. (laughs) like just this total inappropriate like comedy that like (laughs) Pete Davidson's so well known for I love that the other one that I love is when the new the mom's boyfriend throws him into the pool and he's like I'm gonna tell my mom you almost drowned me and the the guy goes dude it's an above ground pool you're like eight feet tall you're fine (laughs) I think it just kind of works well to like the style of Pete Davidson's humor and like I think you can tell that Judd Apatow like I don't know did he write this movie or at the very least like the story whoever like the story credit is for this film like very much I think kind of had Pete Davidson's type of humor in mind 
uh, when creating this, or at least there was like a lot of done on set to like kind of make it fit and work with his style of comedy. Yeah, um, Pete Davidson and Judd Apatow both wrote this film. Okay, and I think you can tell, yeah, very much that it's like a cooperation between the two because a lot of it feels similar to Judd Apatow's style of comedy, and then a lot of it feels like similar to Pete Davidson's stuff. Yeah, there's also a third screenwriter, but. He's not as important because we don't know his name. Do you know Dave Suris off of name recognition? No. Okay. Not as recognizable. Um, yeah. Whatever. Dave Suris. Sorry, I don't know you more. But yeah, yeah, and the other interesting part of this trailer too is I think like we said that P. Davidson wants to be a tattoo artist, but then the mom's new boyfriend also says like, have you ever thought about becoming a firefighter like your dad? And I wonder if that's going to be like, I didn't know if it was just kind of a throwaway part, but it seems like it's going to be more involved since they include it in the trailer of like him figuring out like if that's something he wants to do. And at first he says like in the trailer, I don't want to do that because like if I have kids, then if I die in a fire, it's going to screw my kids up like it screwed me up when my dad died. And so I think it's going to be him kind of wrestling with this. Like he could take this career move that would like help him get on his feet and like also be like kind of a tribute to his dad. But he's also worried to do that because he doesn't want to have like his kids go through the same thing that he went through. Yeah. I don't know. When I first saw that, I was worried that it would just lead to like hijinks that look akin to fighting with fire. Yeah. Playing with fire is like the kids version of this where it's like just firehouse like hijinks and physical comedy. But there's a good balance, I think, between that type of stuff and more emotional like relational comedy too. Mm -hmm. And other types of comedy and, like, the heart that you were saying that Apatow usually brings into his work. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's so, also got a great cast. Mm-hmm, like, beyond Pete Davidson, Marissa Tomei, Marissa I think, Tomei is great. The mom. The mom. Her is the new boyfriend. Uh, boyfriend. Steve Buscemi's at a bar. I oh. think he's another one of the firefighters, yeah? Or if he's just, like, know. a random bar patron. That's, like, oh, he's only please. in that one scene. That's in the trailer. Uh, and Maude Apatow, I think it's his sister. I think Maude Apatow's got to be the sister, right? Yeah, because she went off to college. Yeah, and, like, is kind of, like, the more successful, like, child that, like, hasn't let the trauma affect her as much as, like, Pete Davidson's character has. Speaking of the cast, Tyler, I think it's time for us to move into a new game. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This game is the classic party game, Two Truths and a Lie. Oh, wow. We're going to learn so much about each other. Except for, it's not about us, Tyler. Uh-huh. We're learning about okay, the cast. Okay, you know too much about me anyways. I can't lie to you. It's true. We're the same person. Um, but this movie, this game is about the cast and crew of the King of Staten Island. Oh, the so, crew too? Like, I mean, which boom operator has never... Well, it's the, I extended it to the crew because I included Judd Apatow in this game and he's not acting in this film. Oh, okay. So we could also say it includes the cast and the immediate family members of the cast because he's Maude Apatow's dad. I could. (laughs) Okay. So the way this game will work is I'll tell you three facts that may or may not be true. And then you have to tell me which one for sure is the lie. Two of them will be positive truths and one will be a positive lie. All right. Sounds great. Is there any way for me to earn any extra credit on this game? Um, No. Because extra credit is lame. Like, astral projecting. Okay. First, we'll start with the star of the film, Pete Davidson. Statement number one. 
Pete Davidson has a tattoo of Hillary Clinton. Statement number two, Pete Davidson uh, was a voice actor in Spies in Disguise. And number three, Pete Davidson was the first SNL cast member that was born in the 90s. Hmm. I feel like there could be another SNL cast member before Pete that was born in the 90s. I don't remember him being included in Spies in Disguise. I feel like they might have like publicized that a little bit more. Right. Hillary Clinton tattoos believable because I don't have any idea what his tattoos are. <laughs> so, but Pete Davidson maybe seems more like a Bernie bro a little bit, and like maybe in that in that sector where he like kind of hates Hillary Clinton too, like as a part of the establishment of the Democratic Party. But he could also be like, yeah, like I support a female president, and like I don't know. I'm gonna go with spies in disguise as the lie. You're correct. Spies in Disguise is the lie. Wow. Have you seen his Hillary Clinton tattoo? I'm curious now. I haven't seen it, but I know it's on his leg, and he got it when she was running for president the first time. Or not in 2008. Against against Trump, sorry. Oh. Yeah. I was like, against Obama? But she's been... That's not when she ran the first time, that's when she ran the last time. You know, the first time in recent memory, not in past memory. Mm. Okay. Like the first time if you're going through the stacks and it's actually the most recent time. The first time if you're sorting from newest to oldest. Yes. All right. Congratulations, Tyler. You have one point. Let's see if you get all six points. The next person we're talking about is Judd Apatow. Wait, do you know which other SNL cast member was born in the 90s? Is it Kyle Mooney? I don't know who else was, Hmm. but I know Pete was the first. Oh, he was the first. Oh, that was true. Yeah, that's true. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, he has a Hillary Clinton tattoo, and he was the first person. Uh, 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 okay. I thought that he wasn't, but no, I'm no, glad no. that I well, said I'm the right thing anyways. It's <laughs> not one truth and two lies. Okay, Judd Apatow time. Judd Apatow is one award away from EGOTing, meaning Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Judd Apatow cast his own grandma to play Paul Rudd's grandma in the film This Is 40, and Judd Apatow was originally rejected to the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, but then later admitted. Like, he applied once, and they said no, but then he applied again, and they said yes. I believe the Academy won. I believe the grandma won. I I feel like there's no chance that he's one award away from the EGOT, but that could be the truth because it just it seems so outrageous. But I'm gonna go with the EGOT one as the lie. You're right. The EGOT one is a lie. Okay, I was like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> he has an Emmy and an Oscar, but he, he has only- an Oscar for a screenplay or what? I think so. I don't remember. Um, but he was only nominated for a Grammy, and he's never done anything. Oh, was it for like a comedy album or something? Um, maybe for like pop star. Oh, because he's like a producer. Interesting. Okay, next cast member, Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei has never won an Oscar, just Golden Globes. Marissa Tomei does not believe in the institution of marriage, or Marissa Tomei only went to college for one year. I believe that she's never won an Oscar. I feel like I wouldn't know if she was an Oscar winner, so that's true. I think. But, like, if she hasn't won a Golden Globe, will that also be the lie? Because you said she's only won Golden Globes. I don't know, man. You got to think about it. <laughs> um, 
what was the third one? Institution of marriage, and then what else? Uh, she it was only she dropped out of college after one year. Um, the lie is that she dropped out of college after one year. No, the lie is that she's never won an Oscar. Oh, she has. She has won Oscar, and she's only been nominated for Golden Globe. She's never won a Golden Globe. Oh, so you tricked me. It was a I double. They were both lies. What did she win an Oscar for? I don't know, but it was like really early work. It was like one of her first films. Interesting. Her best supporting actress. Wow. I had no idea she was an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. And now she's Pete Davidson's mom. So you got two out of three. That's pretty good so far. Yeah. No, I think I'm doing okay. Next, we have Bill Burr. Bill Burr has hosted a bi-weekly podcast since 2007. Bill Burr voices a character in the Halo game franchise. Or Bill Burr is a licensed helicopter pilot. The lie is that he's a helicopter pilot. No, that's the truth. Wow. He doesn't voice any characters in Halo. Mm. It seems like he would, right? Seems like he could. Yeah. The only game he's been a part of was Grand Theft Auto 4. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I knew that. Yeah, I feel like that's more well-known for some Well, reason. like, I didn't know that he, that was his only one, but I knew that he was in that. Mm-hmm. All right. Our next cast member is Maude Apatow. Maude Apatow has a bachelor's degree in theater from Northwestern University. Maude Apatow performed in a high school production of Cabaret, or Maude Apatow has one of Time's best Twitter feeds of 2013. What was the first one again? Uh, she it was has Cabaret, a Twitter. And she has a bachelor's in theater from Northwestern. The lie is Cabaret? No, she was in Cabaret. Mm. The lie is that she, was, she doesn't have a bachelor's degree. Ah. She dropped out of college as a sophomore. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And now her dad gets her work. That's nice of him. Yep. So this is I'm your sorry, Maud. I'm not trying to like be shady. I believe that you're a talented actress. Like I like you. Don't I'm not I'm just joking. I'm sorry. Tyler, she has one of Twitter's I didn't mean best that to be feeds of twenty. She's gonna turn all of Twitter against us, Tyler. No. No, that's like my most successful social media outlet. <laughs> all right. And our last uh person that we're doing this game for is Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi was a firefighter. Steve Buscemi served in the military, and Steve Buscemi was hospitalized after trying to save Vince Vaughn from a bar fight. If he was a firefighter, it makes sense why he's taking on this project. I believe Vince Vaughn to be the type of guy to get into a bar fight, and also Steve Buscemi to be the type of guy to help stop him. So I'm going to say that I think the lie is that Buscemi was in the military. You're correct. Steve Buscemi was not in the military, but his dad was. His dad's a Korean War veteran. Wow. Yeah, Steve Buscemi was the most fun one to make this for and the hardest one to figure out which ones of his actual real life to put on there. (laughs) I liked it. Yes, apparently Steve Buscemi pronounced his own last name incorrectly until he went to Italy and someone told him how to pronounce his last name. What, he said Buscemi? Yeah, he said Buscemi his whole life. Wow. Until he went to Sicily. Incredible. So, Tyler, you've got three out of six, correct? That's not too bad. That's not too bad with no extra credit. Yeah, no extra credit. So, if there was extra credit and you got them all right, you got nine out of six right. Yeah, that's true. That's true, that's true. Well, thank you for creating that game. It was a lot of fun, and now I know so much more about Marissa Tomei and Maude Apatow than I ever wanted to.
what? You wouldn't have read Maud Apatow's Wikipedia page just for fun? Maybe. I mean, not just them. I guess everybody. I learn more about them. And I'm especially curious to look at Pete Davidson's Hillary Clinton tattoo. Yeah. Maud Apatow's Wikipedia page is really short if you want to read it, like, on the toilet or something. It's a quick read. I believe it. So, Tyler, I have one very important thing to ask you. Ooh, what is that important thing, Ryan? Is, are you sad that I never did the air horn noise during this episode? Because we're kind of wrapping it up Mm, now. Yes, I am, but I still have faith that it could happen. It could, but I don't know. In the next couple minutes. (laughs) The more that we've talked about it, the more forced it would feel. So I don't know if I'm going to do that. It's true. I don't know why you brought it up. (laughs) Well, I just got to, you know, remind the audience of our running gags. Mm. And even though it may not happen this episode. It's a gag now. It's a gag. That's an early episode title. Wow, this is a very meta episode. (laughs) (laughs) It works, it works. Okay, Ryan, we finally are back together at the end of an episode, so it's time for us to answer the questions that we normally do at the end of the podcast. And those are, which trailer that we talked about today was your favorite, and which movie that we talked about today are you the most excited to see when they eventually get released in theaters or on video on demand? Well, I don't know if any of these movies are going to be released in theaters, but who knows, because Universal is like shady and they're trying to double dip like putting trolls on demand and in theaters at the same time and amc and regal are upset but that's a whole another thing but i am gonna put both of my votes behind the king of staten island because i'm most interested in it and because i liked the trailer and i liked when they sang in the bar yeah i'm gonna go ahead and throw both my votes behind king of staten island as well the movie just seems more my speed um i'm interested to see another Judd Apatow movie because Trainwreck was a while ago and even before then like Knocked Up and 40 Year Old Virgin like they've been kind of spaced apart so I'm excited to see another movie with him at the helm he's done a lot of production stuff obviously but he hasn't really directed in a while um, I don't know if I'm gonna he's directed like... a lot in general this is what like his sixth movie yeah his fifth or sixth movie um but I don't know honestly if I'm gonna rent this one right away because I I still don't want to spend that much money to watch one movie at yeah, home yeah I don't know like I don't know if it was just on like a streaming service that I pay for, like I'd definitely watch it. Well, but to pay for it separately feels like weird. Pete Davidson has a, a Hulu movie that just came Yeah, out or if it was like a Prime release where it's like, you know, like you pay for it by paying for Prime. But I'm you know saying I mean? that uh, Pete Davidson already has a Hulu movie out, Big Time Adolescence. And maybe I'll just watch oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I think it looks good. And the trailer's definitely better than the high note. I just like the comedy and kind of the pacing of it. And I think it helps. Um, show a little bit more about like the unique elements both comedy and like heart that is part of the movie than the high note so yeah King of Stone Island I think it looks pretty good and I'm excited to see it hopefully eventually yeah I don't know it depends like def- like if this isn't the years this would be like a definite watch like this one is almost like I would go out of my way to see it yeah this is on the edge of like paying for it on demand if I have to but yeah I don't know 20 seems a bit high if it was like maybe 14 rent it for cheaper like and just watch it once no i think you rent it for 20 really yeah that's how Universal's doing it wow but it's like the idea is that like you can sit down with your whole family and then you yeah all... that's true that's the other thing that i think we talked about this earlier is like i think this being aimed at a more mature audience might hurt it like compared to family stuff because like if you're sitting down with the family to watch like trolls then it makes it worth it for to rent it for 20 bucks because you're getting like everybody in your family to watch it but yeah, people like that are more in this like demographic that this movie appeals to, it's like 
they don't live with as many people like they live by themselves or it's just like a couple or whatever so like 20 bucks seems like less worth it because you're not watching it like with all the kids and everybody yeah. you know unless you have like more older kids and stuff that are all at home like my household where both me and my sister who is a year younger than me live at home yeah you guys might watch it or like pete davidson's mom when oh, yeah. he's at home they'll pete definitely rent it. it with his mom they're gonna rent it for sure his all mom- of the snl cast will rent it because they want to support pete so this movie's guaranteed to make like at least like 160 bucks yeah yeah for sure okay well uh thank you for joining us on today's astral projection episode of preview review this has been so interesting and ryan's internet has been having making us have fun with this but it's all good we're figuring it out yeah and i'm sorry if the audio quality sucks and we have no way to tell if it does until we're finished recording so and then we're gonna post it anyway so um because i'm not gonna meet up and talk about these movies again because (laughs) who cares about the high note in like four weeks go ahead and follow us on social media we're at preview review everywhere like twitter and instagram I guess that's everywhere. All right, stay safe out there. If you're just hanging out in quarantine and your friends are also bored and you're you know, texting and chatting, get them to listen to Preview Review. We'd love to have you share this podcast. Give us a rate, a review, and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. We'd love to go out of quarantine with strong support behind the podcast. Well, yeah, that's, that's ideal. Celebrating our one-year anniversary Ooh. of the podcast. If we make it that far. Well, I mean, we're only a couple weeks away. I maybe, I mean, what could stop us? COVID. I mean, if we went on that crazy. If a global pandemic didn't stop us, Ryan, nothing can stand in our way. What if we're busy going on a crazy road trip to the last blockbuster in Oregon? Oh, and we like die in a car accident or something. Well, I wasn't gonna go that morbid. Well, that would suck. We're like too busy driving to blockbuster to record. Well, I mean, we haven't had a consistent release schedule anyway, so that's not gonna stop us. But inevitable death would okay bye bye